Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Diversity Ally the Podcast. It's also the end of season two, but even more exciting, it is the one year anniversary since Diversity Ally's launch. So my co-founder Ashanti and I decided to jump on, just have a little chat about some of our highlights over the past year, but also just to share a little bit of what's been going on behind the scenes, who we've been working with, the actions that are being taken and what we see happening over the next few months. We also want to take this moment to say thank you for committing to diversity inclusion and for continuing to listen to this podcast. We appreciate you and we really hope you enjoy this episode. Shanti. Uh, it is a delight to catch up with you because we are coming up to that one year mark of when Diversity Ally officially launched. Yep. So yep. And, and the end of the second series of the podcast, which just shows you how much work we've been doing, really. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely crazy um, how fast the year has gone for a start and, and what's been going on in the industry and what's what we've achieved and what organisations have achieved in that time. So it would be really cool for us to have a conversation about that, an unplanned conversation, unscripted, just literally having a chat about what we've noticed over the past year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What stands out? You're right. Um, What stands out? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What stands out? I mean, we've done a lot of speaking, haven't we? We've, we've, we've definitely engaged and talked to, I think it's probably fair to say, you know, hundreds of people in our industry all over the world because mm-hmm. we've spoken on so many stages. As a I think say thousands, you know. I, 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 have to, I was a bit tentative, but I think you're right because, and we've done it at some of the biggest events, events there are, um, such as IMEX. Oh my goodness, the list goes on. We've done so much. We've worked with the major publishers in the events industry to raise awareness of diversity and inclusion. Um, It's been, yeah, I think that is a big thing. The work we've done to raise awareness. For sure. Is huge. Yeah, for even the um, Linux Foundation. Yeah. Heck. Yeah. Even speaking at, uh, at their conference. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> we've, we've, we've done it all. We've worked with Higher Space. We worked with venues and events. We, yeah. you know, the list goes on, actually. So I think that stands out to me is the amount of hours, the sheer hours that we've spent raising awareness um, about diversity and inclusion for events, for marketing and hospitality as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And that's the other brilliant thing as well. We've worked with nearly every association. Yeah as well even yeah. international ones <laughs> yes yeah. we have so yeah. many and ongoing work with them as well that yeah. global piece is yeah. actually quite astounding and publishers yeah in the space as well um we have become official diversity partners for some of those organizations as well which is absolutely brilliant mm. um and allows us to keep on an ongoing basis having some type of influence and keeping diversity inclusion high on the agenda as well and you know it can 
you can kind of get that fatigue. And I'm not talking about you and I, I'm talking about just in general, that kind of like social, uh, social impact causing um, positive change. Yeah. Hearing all the challenges, it can be really um, fatiguing for everybody involved. But I, I have been kind of heartened and uh, feeling positive about the conversation is going and action actually is happening. And I do sometimes yeah. hear from some of my contacts, people who perhaps we were talking with at the beginning, saying, is there anything happening? Because I can no longer see people talking about it as much online. I, it appears to have gone a little bit quiet. But from our perspective... It, it's not, it's actually growing, I would say. People just knuckling down and starting to put their <laughs> actions and in into place. Play. Mm. You are right about that because I think, you know, a year, and obviously it's longer since, you know, um, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, we are seeing, as you say, the companies who, for whatever reason, are taking this seriously are starting to do the work now. Mm. Um, and so is that, is there so much of a need for kind of social media commentary? Maybe not, because we are seeing that behind closed doors, the companies that care are doing something. Mm, indeed. And some of those we gauged with last autumn who we're still working with now, you know, really early, early on board, early adopters, if that's what you want to call them, yeah. you have been doing the work since then, since November. And it, you know, it does take time, but we don't need that yeah, that social media proof necessarily to show that the work is happening. And actually in, in my sometimes that can be a bit before we that's the word. That's the word. Um, rather than authentic essentially. The authenticity I think of companies is now being scrutinized isn't it you know mm. how consistent are you now across the board um on on issues that fall into the same bucket um and i think one of the things that highlights this is you know we do get asked a lot about pronouns and the use mm. of pronouns and it's really interesting to know that you know we've talked so long about gender um in its binary let's be honest in its binary concept which is man and woman now we're in a place where we do talk about pronouns far more in the workplace and yet some of the individuals who have fought for gender equality for example are really struggling with pronouns understanding them but also using them and i find that quite interesting and that's why we're seeing exactly what you said there is an expectation now for brands to show consistency if you believe in equality then that has to follow through now in areas that maybe they weren't prepared for. Yes, that's very true. I had an interesting conversation um, with um, an industry person a couple of weeks ago who just were quite honest. And, and this is good. This is We want people to be honest about and open about their feelings and, you know, what they are finding challenging and why they perhaps they find a particular concept challenging. Um, it's not about kind of pretending that you believe in something when you don't necessarily understand it or you might not agree with it yet or you're still learning or educating yourself about it. But this person was kind of like, I just don't get pronouns. Why can't, why are we always putting labels on everything? Can't people just be people? Why do we have to keep creating labels? Which, you know, obviously I can kind of see a little bit where they're coming from. Like we, we shouldn't have to be, be labeling people but at the end of the day people need want to be identified in a certain way we need to respect that yeah. and, and and learn these things because we have to keep learning we have to keep growing because otherwise we just stand still right we have to evolve and we don't always get things i'm you know 
however many years ago, people didn't really understand what the issue was with telling a sexist joke in the workplace or something like that, or like like light sexual harassment. Everyone was like, oh, well, there's only banter, and then, you know, look how quickly that changed. And now people are aware and understand that that's not, no longer acceptable. And it took us a while to maybe understand that and for that to embed itself into our work practices or the way we deal with people in the workplace mm-hmm. or in society, but we did it. And it would be the same with pronouns. It's, it's difficult and challenging initially, but we will, we will get there. And it's just about respecting each other. But exactly. And that, yeah. that would be the ideal. You know, that's generally what everybody wants, which is not to have to explain, justify, describe themselves. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it's just not our reality that we can just be who we want to be without it having any kind of repercussions on our experience of life but also of the workplace so Mm. I I think that's really interesting and we see now there's a move towards that in terms of employees expecting more um, consumers who are investing in brands supporting brands expecting more um, and expecting consistency and and people want to know more as well right They, they want to know more about what companies are doing so whereas before maybe a company might be able to get away with just issuing an annual report every year. You know, now, you know, people beyond that shareholder boardroom want to know, well, actually, what's actually happening? Can you show us examples? And so there's got to be kind of some deeper branding work happening, um, you know, with, with more layers, really, to show authenticity, to be able to win people over. And referring to what you just said about, you know, employees, just expecting more they're expecting more from their leadership they're expecting more from their companies more support more awareness more more empathy empathy more flexibility whatever that is um but funnily enough you know leaders in our industry actually have different concerns <laughs> and, and worries about implementing all of these things and it is very challenging for for leadership and you know having a conversation with with someone and, and they were very much worried about okay yes it's great implementing all this stuff but you know our biggest concern is that we're going to get a lawsuit um around discrimination of some sort because we haven't have made a mistake in the way we've identified somebody or said mm. something that may be deemed inappropriate and we just don't know where we stand now our concern is whether, whether we're going to be sued whereas mm. employees concerns are i want to know whether you are doing something to support us and yeah. um, <laughs> and that yeah. you're going to take care of your employees and yeah. Help us thrive and, and help us grow. So, difference between what leadership and employees need are very, uh, very different. Yeah, and I think you know it's really interesting to me because, um, I mean, I watch a lot of legal dramas, legal, <laughs> medical, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, and like you know, kind of international diplomacy type shows a lot. Right. And funny enough, what I did, I did a, a master's um, in conflict resolution, which ironically, the content of that course was about how wars are basically started and ended, a large part of it, which I found quite interesting because obviously I did the qualification in the context of my job at the time. Mm. Um, and so I wasn't necessarily expecting some of the content of that you know, peace to be about civil war, you know, and also about um, hostage negotiators and all these things and these tactics that they use. Now, the reason why I mentioned this even is because what you said, something is, you know, for the most part, you can avoid escalation of conflict through conversation. 
you know, and we see this happening all over the world. That's why you have ambassadors. That's why you have embassies around the world. That's why you have diplomats, because part, hopefully, of their job is to avoid war and, you know, and help smooth over agreements before they become a real issue for respective governments. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like sometimes in the work that we do, there is almost this standoff between the leadership, the CEOs and the employees and actually just a coming to the table, you know, and having a real conversation would reveal that in the end they all want the same thing. You know, good employees know that the business has to thrive. Mm. Yeah. And that's what they're there to do, help do. And mm. obviously leaders know in order to get the best from people, you need to give them the best environment to do that work in. But I think the issue is that all too often they're not coming to the table, laying their kind of weapons down and just having a normal human chat about what the issue actually is here. I love that because do you know what as well, when you were talking about this is why we have ambassadors, this is why we have embassies, etc. That just made me think about our committees, the diversity committees that have been set up, the working groups that have been set up to help push forward diversity and inclusion initiatives. I almost feel like they are the ambassadors or the embassies of the organisations. You know, you have to kind of create almost an amnesty moment when you are starting this work as an organisation. And I think the, the, the reality is a lot of organisations, and when we've been on calls with them and we've mentioned, well, what's your status quo? What culture do you have now? There is a concern because, unfortunately, all too often the existing culture is one of mistrust. Mm. The existing culture could be one of failed promises, you know, expectations not met. We, they may know that there are maybe individuals in management who are a bit rogue, for example, who may have ruffled feathers before. And so there is a fear about starting this work because it does mean accountability and transparency. But with, you know, you're dealing with um, dynamics, you know, the politics of work, etc. So, it, you know, I appreciate that it is very challenging right now for organisations in terms of expectations of employees, but at the same time, really focusing in on the general status quo, that culture that exists, if you can get it to be a little bit healthier, then hopefully you can get people to put their weapons down, come to the table and have just a very human conversation about it. Uh, that is obviously a bit weird, but I watch a lot of these shows and that's <laughs> Great what <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> it comes to my honestly when I'm watching and I have things on in the background while I'm working usually that's why and sometimes I'll you know I'll be looking at these negotiations thinking it's exactly like that at work. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's exactly like that at work, and you know, we don't have a, a national. Well, in a way, there is a crisis. You know, George Floyd revealed that there is a systemic crisis. Mm. Yeah. And it has it's a reputational risk to a lot of organisations if they do not think about diversity, inclusion, healthy workplace culture. Mm. You know, so, um, yeah, that's what often comes to mind. <laughs> I feel a little bit lame because you're like, in the background, I'm listening to medical legal programs. <laughs> no, I've like, <laughs> even got a like, Metallica on if I'm in a bad mood, or like the Carpenters if I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself. So. <laughs> You know, like normal series that people watch on a weekly basis, but it's the same stuff all the time. It's all of it is negotiation. All of it is how can you detect truth from the other side? 
Um, what can you bargain with? What can you leverage? How can you get a win-win situation? It always comes down to that one thing. And of course, you've always got your villains and your worries <laughs> in the room. But that is how work is, right? Let's keep it real. These are often the people at, in, in our workplaces um, that we're trying to navigate. So, um, yeah, that's what it often reminds me of. It's, it's, it's put your guns down. But I think you have to be willing as a leader to have that conversation in the first place. Mm. Nobody really wants to wave that white flag necessarily. People kind of half putting it up and kind of like, well, <laughs> you first. No, you first. No, you yeah. first. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% that that's something that we've noticed over the last year. Perhaps that's why, you know, we've been getting messages or emails or calls from those who are heading up or a part of diversity committees feeling like, it's it's such a challenge for them to actually have impact and and set goals and just set themselves up for success, you know, um, which is on nicely to the fact that we created a CPD module to address exactly that, which yeah. was a bit of a labour, wasn't it? Really, it was a labour of love. <laughs> I mean, we know that on the most basic level, what most organisations do is bring together some type of working group forum or diversity committee. Mm. But we also know that those are ineffective. And it's not always the fault of the people in that committee. Exactly. Because it is a volunteer, you know, experience. You know, people volunteer. They're doing this work in addition to their actual job, the one that they get paid for. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, organisations, particularly over the last 18 months, are actually relying on those committees to push, uh, to create initiatives, mm. to get buy-in to bring certain influences within a workplace to the table, to, um, you know, push through initiatives to take care of the awareness events that happen. Mm. So there is a little bit of a disparity in purpose and expectation of yeah. these committees. And I think that's what our CPD module really highlights, that as an organisation, if you're going to uh, support an existing working group, network or commi uh, committee, or set one up, Mm. Here are the key skills that are required mm. um, to have in that group. And what that can often do when you really think strategically about setting up these committees is you might be surprised about who is a good fit and who isn't. Mm. Because merely being of a minority group of any kind does not qualify you necessarily to become part of a committee that is going to have a strategy that is going to be able to meet objectives that can be tangibly like seen yeah. by leadership and your colleagues as well. So it's a really good module because actually we take a very different approach to setting up these committees so that the workplace can leverage them um, and, and employees can actually benefit from their existence. I'm trying to think of other highlights. There have been so many this year. I can't believe it's maybe There have been. We, we, we got shortlisted for an award, didn't we? We did. We did get shortlisted for an award for um, education. So providing education within the corporate environment. But, um, yeah. yeah, that was that was very exciting, actually. That's a good point. Yeah. I forgot about that award. Yeah, yeah. And, we, I mean, look, we haven't applied, have we, for any awards, really? Um, yeah. over the last year and a bit but maybe next year we will actively do that because we have genuinely and authentically um, been at the forefront of raising awareness but providing education mm. um, and actually supporting some very key organisations when it comes to, to their DNI strategies. 
And um, another highlight for me as well, I think, was the recruitment roundtable that we held the first one of the series, which was specifically for um, internal hiring managers or HR or people and talent managers to really come on um, in a uh, private, discreet setting to speak with their peers and us on what their, you know, diverse hiring inclusive recruitment challenges are. Yeah, no, it was. It was very good um, because we know recruitment is a topic now. I mean, it's an ongoing conversation when it comes to BNI, but we know that obviously with the recovery that all industries are trying to to, to push through, mm. recruitment is next because, you know, um, <laughs> attrition and redundancies and furloughs and unfortunately, you know, um, what's the correct word I'm looking for? People being let go mm. was very high over the last year. But we know as as organisations try to recover, recruitment will be high on their list of priorities. And actually, it's a brilliant opportunity to do it in a more ethical and diverse way. Mm. So those yeah. roundtables are really timely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, we discuss things as simple as, well, they're not necessarily simple, but <laughs> um, as obvious as writing inclusive job descriptions, yes. having a diversity and inclusion policy that is authentic to your business and the brand that you want to put out there to, you know, the, in, in the general public and to potential candidates. Um, even the onboarding process, the interview process, who is sitting on the panel, discussing all, discussing all of those things. Um, which to us maybe seem quite obvious, yeah. but you know, for others, maybe not so obvious. No, absolutely. I mean, one really basic example of this that we see all the time is when we are talking about recruitment, and you know, often, you know, obviously, you want to 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 advertise your jobs in diverse settings, environments, um, and you know, sometimes when we make that suggestion, we'll just drop them an email. <laughs> And people are like, oh, never thought about that. And again, it's about, you know, putting the guns down and just having that human conversation of, well, contact that network, contact that group. Tell them what it is that you're doing and the fact that you'd like to diversify your candidate pool, for example. What ways can you work together? Can you strike up a partnership that is mutually beneficial? Mm. Um, And so, yeah, those roundtables that we run, those are the moments in which we can give those types of insights essentially, that can really help you leapfrog if you are responsible for recruitment within your organisation. Yeah, and like you said, it's very much key factor at the moment. There's lots of hiring going on, which is fantastic for our industry. Um, but you're right, it's now about ethically getting that right. And um, We've got an opportunity here to start setting those processes in place so that moving forward, we are hopefully step-by-step step, gradually starting to make that change, starting to diversify the candidate for all of those things. Yeah. I'm sure. um, and I'm really excited for us then as well, for us to launch our uh, careers and jobs board as well, so that you know those businesses that are directly seeking to get a more diverse candidate pool can pop onto our website and you know post their jobs up there and candidates can then apply directly knowing that that organization is specifically looking for people like them do you have any more uh, highlights this this time it isn't it now we're actually here i'm like which ones do you want to talk about exactly i mean i think we have to mention at this point the fact that we, I think there's two things I'll mention. Okay. You know, we, we obviously have enjoyed a lot, you know, genuinely enjoyed working with all of our clients, but there's no doubt about the fact that we are able to assist 
guide informer markets. Um, that was a huge milestone, mm. I think, when it came to the industry um, deciding to really invest in this piece mm. um, and do and do the work. And so I definitely have to, you know, genuinely, you know, recognize Informa for doing that because they're a huge company with many divisions, mm -hmm. um, but they are definitely at the forefront of that part of the industry. And so for them to step forward and say, yes, we do need to do some work on this and we're willing to do it, mm. I think was really brilliant. And for us at Diversity Ally, um, that was definitely, I think, a highlight. And actually working with them, with them is actually is actually really good because they are incredibly upfront and honest about yeah. what their challenges are. They're not, they're not hiding anything. Right. <laughs> you know, they're like, this is what we've done. Yeah. This is what didn't work. This is what we know the issues are. We want to do better at this. And they're very incredibly open about that. And being that transparent and open really is fundamental to the work yeah. that we, we, we do with them. Um, particularly if we are going to sort of set these standards moving forward. So I really appreciate them for that. But I'm going to have to include another um, company as well in that if we're talking about, you know, we do love all of our clients. <laughs> there are ones that have really kind of, they were the first to really jump in and sort of say, hey, we're doing this um, and join us, kind of. <laughs> so I'd include Smile in that as well. Absolutely, yeah. Agency, yeah. And it's a very tricky a very, you know, precarious climate in general in the events industry, particularly for agencies who are consistently trying to adapt mm. essentially to, you know, the environment, what their clients want, and keeping sustainable, keeping relevant as a business. All agencies are, are working hard at doing that. So you're absolutely right. We did a, we've done a lot of great work with Smile, and they're another good example of a client that was willing and open to those uncomfortable conversations and um, partnering to co-create, you know, very practical solutions. Mm. So really looking forward to seeing what Smile goes on to do mm. um, in, in this area. Yeah, and they've literally shared every element of their business with us, haven't they? It's been, yeah. it's been yeah. amazing. Yeah, that um, was fantastic, actually. And I think, therefore, we, again, I think another highlight we probably have to mention, therefore, is um, our first on-site workshop facilitation which we did recently gosh yeah i forgot about that well, it was only a couple of weeks ago <laughs> well yes so it was my book they organized this fantastic retreat for 19 agency leaders which i think Ooh. it was the first time that agency leaders had actually come together <laughs> for a sort of training and networking style of event which this was and my book did a great job of putting that together and you know amazingly invited us along because apparently they did ask the agency leaders what sort of topics were they interested in learning more about speaking more about discussing and diversity inclusion was one of them which is brilliant in itself and so then MySpeak invited us along um for us to deliver a session on inclusive leadership uh and that was very insightful and to be yeah. hearing the challenges that they're, they're facing trying to keep a business afloat during the pandemic as well as address the needs of their employees, address the needs of the industry, look at their own diversity and inclusion initiatives and policies. For them to actually sit down with us and discuss openly and honestly, again, was a, a, quite a milestone, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a really interesting one, wasn't it? Mm. It was. It was. Did you pick up anything in particular from... 
you know, I think what was very clear was that, you know, CEOs, leadership really does want to understand. And once that understanding is there, then they can do their jobs. They can make things happen. And I think it's that understanding gap. And a retreat like that gave, I guess, CEOs to reflect, time to reflect because many of them, you know, may not have had the time previously, nor the face time with practitioners like us to really think about what are the issues? How does this impact my employees? And how does this, more importantly for them, link back to their bottom line and the commercials? And so I think that period of time that we had with them was really crucial because it was, you know, dedicated specific time for them to think about these things. And that really, I think, was what came out. And it sparked a lot of thought and conversation subsequently mm. afterwards. Mm, it did, especially in the networking afterwards where <laughs> we were collared quite a lot at dinner. <laughs> that was great, exactly, carrying on those conversations. I mean, big congrats to Chesson and Jess and the rest of the team at MySpot for putting that together yeah. and, and for inviting us along. Again, there's agency leaders in that room. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, so there you are. Yeah, I think we're running out of time now, but uh, rest assured, we we're going we're gonna to catch up, I think, on some of these topics um, in some more detail, I think, yeah. for season three, for sure. I mean, there's the inclusive work, uh, wellness workshops we delivered as well for yeah. Informa Tech, which are really interesting, which I think we should discuss a little bit further, perhaps a little bit more about, you know, diverse hiring, inclusive recruitment. Um, and yeah, and just, yeah, all the other bits that we've been up to in a bit more detail. But for now, I think, I think we've covered as much as we can in the short time that we have together today. Happy one year anniversary. Yeah, well done to us. Well, thank you for listening to the end. Congrats and gold star for you. <laughs> Whilst you're here, we would like to invite you, nay, cajole you into supporting the Diversity Ally podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. This will help us expand our network of listeners and reach more members to share what we're doing as an organisation. Don't forget to visit our website, diversityally.co.uk, where you can find resources, learn more about our workshops and consultancy and events, and sign up to our newsletter. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Diversity Ally and on Twitter at Diversity Ally One. Come say hi.